0: Holy Gospel according to St. John, the sixth chapter. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, 200 denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There is a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? Jesus said, Have the people sit down. Now there was much grass in the place, so the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish, as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. This is the gospel of the Lord. you ever gone somewhere, a business or some government entity, and you are dealing with a person on the other side of the desk doing the service job, and they are completely and utterly begrudging in everything they have to do for you, It's been a bad day, a bad week, a bad month, and perhaps even a bad life. And you, that stranger on the other side of the counter, they want to let know it has been bad. And so, everything they do is like pulling teeth. We experience this not as much here in Watsika, my family. I think people are just happier here than they were where we lived before. Out in New Jersey, there were a lot of people who were very grumpy at the things that they were paid to do. Especially folks that lurked, worked at uh, the DMV, or what they call the Motor Vehicle Commission. Some of my worst encounters over the six years we had out there were in that building down the road from us with people who, I wonder if they had any joy in their life at all. Kind of sad, if you think about it. They did their job, but many of the people I encountered there utterly seemed to hate it. Now, when you deal with people doing begrudgingly these service jobs, it's usually in person, isn't it? It's not on the phone as much anymore, right? Because you have those magical words that ensure that they're going to be well disposed toward you. This call may be recorded for quality purposes. Over the counter, you don't have that benefit, that luxury, and so often they show their cards a little more. They have to do the job. They will do the job, but it's apparent that they don't want. They don't want to do the job and i think that there are people christians who sometimes think of jesus this way they think of jesus having that same attitude of course we know the fundamentals the foundation of our faith jesus came into the world to ransom sinners to pay for our debts before god the father so that we might be forgiven And because we believe that we certainly do have a lot of joy in our lives and comfort knowing that god Day-to-day is not angry with us, but loves us on account of Christ. But I do wonder if sometimes we do, in fact, misinterpret our Lord's attitude towards us. Or better said, we assume perhaps a negative attitude where none exists. Think about it. We know that he had to save us. That was the Father's will, and it was his will being in perfect unity with the Father. That was the main point of his incarnation. It's the main point of the Bible. It's why we are, in fact, Christians. And we know not just that Jesus will save us, but that he's already done it. Sins have been paid for. Promise given and promise believe is already cashed in as far as we are concerned. But I think the thing that we are tempted not to believe in our day-to-day lives is that anything on top of the saving part for Jesus to do for us is a bother to him an annoyance, perhaps even a burden. We pray to Him, ask Him for, and its various types, our daily bread, and think in our minds, if we ask for it too much, He's going to say, quit wasting my time. Prayer and supplication, coming to Him with all of our concerns, you're kidding me, right? You're a sinner, you know what I had to already do for you, and here you come, hat in hand, hand out asking for something more. The things Christians sometimes get stuck thinking about Jesus, I think is this, that he doesn't want to help us. He's not happy. He's not glad to take care of our physical needs. Now, if this is a foreign concept to you, if this doesn't apply to you, you've never thought this way, that's great. But I think there is a fact that some of us need to hear this and need to think about this question and answer because we have had this attitude in our hearts about our Lord Jesus Christ. Maybe we've had those thoughts because it's actually how we would act if we were in that situation, right? It's what I would do or maybe even do-do day-to-day on a basis when I'm put in that service position. We find ourselves willing, perhaps, to do the necessary, but no more on top of that. Maybe we think this way because it's an attitude that we've seen in other people, right? We have experienced those grumpy service job providers and. It's so apparent that people do have this attitude when you ask them to do the thing that they're supposed to do, they'll do it, but not a little bit more, and they're gonna make it difficult difficult for you to either get the thing or the little bit more. And you know what? I think it's fair to say. It probably would be my attitude if I was put in Jesus's position after having atoned for the sins of the world, and then people just keep coming to me time and again, asking for this, that, And the other, it would be me because, well, I'm a sinful human. And what do sinful humans do? We sin. (laughs) We begrudgingly do the things that we have to do at best. Yes, it might be true for me. It might even be true for you. But thankfully, it's not true for Jesus. He is glad not just to save us, not just to love us enough to forgive our sins, but he's also glad to help us with the things that we need and we know that about jesus we can be sure about that because of what we see in the rest of his ministry in the rest of the gospels the same jesus who willingly bore his cross for you and for me and for the whole world also did this he went around leading up to that beautiful good friday healing the sick he went around Dining with people that were not worthy to untie the straps of his sandals on a good day or a bad day. And he went around, as we heard in our gospel lesson today, feeding people who were too foolish and absent-minded to even think about the lunch that they would need in a few hours. If his chief mission was to come into the world to atone for the sins of everyone and to save sinners, well, all this other stuff, the healing... The dining, the feeding, that sounds to me like going the extra mile and going it gladly. Maybe for us, it would be in going the extra mile if we were in his position. But the thing is, it's not even going the extra mile for him, for Jesus himself to do it. The love of God in Jesus Christ for you is not a bare minimum love. It's not a, well, what do I have to do? so I don't get fired, and then nothing more beyond that. It's not a love that puts on the coat before the shift even ends and starts looking towards the door. It's not a love that asks, what can I get away with? It's not a love that re-gifts things without a thought for the person and what they are and what they need. But it is a complete and a full love, the love of a father who is glad that his wayward son has come home, It is the love of a shepherd who rejoices every time he finds that lost sheep that has been found by him out in the wilderness and brings him back to his fold. It is the love of a God who didn't leave his fallen creation to its own well-deserved destruction but came into that creation to fix it. That's Jesus. That is who your savior is in his essence. When he's hungry, when you're hungry, he feeds you. When you're thirsty, he gives you something to drink. When you're homeless, he gives you a home. His love for you did not stop at the cross. It didn't end there. But rather, the cross is the center from which all of his love and all of its points and manifestations flows from. So in your Christian life, day to day, don't hold back. Don't hold back your hopes. Don't hold back your expectations from your God. And certainly, don't hold back your prayers from him. Your Savior is a Savior who loves you and cares not just for your greatest, but for your every need. So bring them to him. Amen.